Michael Brenner said, behind every piece of bad content is an executive who asked for it. But how do we stop creating legal content for the sake of doing it and start writing with intent? I'm Leah Levy, co-founder of Nanato Media, and this is In Camera Podcast, where content is not king, it's the kingdom. private legal marketing conversation. Grace, how are you today? Good. How are you, Liel? I'm great. Grace, it's April. Can you believe it? Yeah, it came quick, didn't it? It did. And a few weeks ago, April looked a very uh, different way than it looks now. Um, we had so many different expectations, right? Masters made perfect and many other things that were supposed to happen. And now um, those are probably going to get delayed until later this year in the base case scenario. But you know what, Grace, um, to be very honest, like this last week, particularly, I've seen so much new initiatives and so much positive notes being uh, implemented by different people that have been affected by it. And I'm not just talking about uh, marketing agencies or law firms. I'm just talking about community in general, what you're hearing, right? Like after having been in this situation for uh, two or three weeks, right? We see that people are now starting to see, well, how can they adapt and how can they use uh, this time to create, to help, to connect and to do just things in a slightly different way. And so, Grace, I really want to uh, jump into this conversation because I really want our uh, next guest take on all of it that we're saying now. So why don't you go ahead and introduce him and bring him right on to our conversation? So everybody, we have a real treat for you today, particularly with everything going on. We are delighted to welcome Alex Valencia from We Do Web Content for a conversation on content marketing. So Alex and his team have been developing digital content strategies for small businesses, law firms, and legal marketing agencies for over 10 plus years. Alex's content-focused digital strategies have increased targeted organic web traffic and leads for hundreds of businesses. In addition, Alex has many, many valuable resources on his website that you can download and use. Alex, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to In Camera. Grace, Leo, thank you. It's a pleasure. So happy to be here. I'm excited. Welcome, Alex. It's a really, really pleasure to have you here. And actually, um, not too long ago, we had uh, uh, Jason, your business partner, uh, yes. Jason Hennessy, join us. And we really want to give each one of you uh, an opportunity to really talk about each one of your areas of expertise. So kind of like we've had uh, Jason, it was like, okay, now we have to bring Alex, right? Because <laughs> uh, it's, such a, it, it's such an important part of the conversation to really talk about uh, what is it that you specialize in, which is uh, 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 content writing for law firms? Because everything that we've been talking about, Grace, right over the past uh, month, uh, where we talked about local SEO and on-site SEO and off-site SEO, you know, it's all kind of like the the technical and the PR for the actual content right. itself, right? Right. 
Exactly. So everything that we've been doing up until now, it's been leading to, okay, promoting and uh, making sure that the content is visible. But we haven't yet really talked that much about the content, the quality, what makes it great, what makes it stand out. And it's uh, uh, it's it's an art. Like, it's not it's not something that you just go ahead and say, I'm going to put up 500, 1,000, 1,500 or 2,000 words on something and it's just going to work because it's not, right. right? So, Alex, we really want to pick your brain on that. And just to get us started, why don't we start by hearing from you? What are the most frequent mistakes you see law firms making about their website content? Okay, great. I appreciate that. If, if you don't mind, I'm going to just generalize something real quick because I, I like what, what you said where all these tertiary things like the SEO, the technical SEO, the link building, um, the website, just a lot of the big part of SEO along with the content, it makes such for such a great marriage, right? You can't bake a cake without adding flour to it. Um, you can't furnish your house without any furniture, right? You build a house, but the content is what's the furniture inside. That's what makes it, allows people to come in and see and feel comfortable. And I want people to think of their website the same way, right? Um, and, you know, like you said, you had Jason on recently. It's been such a great relationship for us because he's so amazing at what he does and building his teams and the technical SEOs is so important. Um, you know, when we started in this business, we, we were working with web developers that did a great job. And, and back then, it didn't matter um, a lot about technical SEOs, how you were using the keywords within the content. So, you know, back then, when we first started, our first website ranked for 3,000 keywords within three weeks of us launching the site. And it's because we prepared a content strategy ahead of time, built out the content with intent, and then poured out the content in volume. Um, and, and this is a big question out there, whether you know it works, whether you know trickling the content in or, or dropping content in volume in um, quickly helps something. What that situation where it was our first site dropping content in the hundred loads because we were developing so much content prior to launching the site. So a launch site with already content on it, not launching it and then putting content actually blew up. It had probably, it started off with 3,000, 5,000, 10,000, 30,000 visits by month three on a website, all with um, heavy volume loading of content. And, and back then, it was small SEO tricks. It wasn't really a lot of, it was mostly just content-based. Give, give us a little bit of context. How many years ago was this? What kind of website for a law firm was this? How big of the market were, is where they were? Um, so they, they've always, they were, they're a social security and veterans disability firm in mm -hmm. South Florida. And what we realized, um, and they realized early on that it, it was very simple for them to go national with it. Um, because of the the overwhelming amount of visitors that came to the site looking for information. And the information was so good because we had a one-on-one -on -one with the attorney. So the questioning, talking to the attorney, learning everything, interviewing them, case studies. Um, so we, we had staff members going through the books and looking at cases. So we were able to talk about different cases that – you know, people out there might be looking at and if they did a search for, oh, man, I have back pain due to being a, a veteran because I used to jump out of helicopters. We had content for it. 
Um, and that's one thing to think about with when developing a content strategy is everything someone might be able to search for. And back then, we didn't have search intent, um, you know, Google search intent when you type something in and it's so smart and it looks for it. We're so fortunate and blessed to have that now that when you're building out a content strategy, you start typing in some words and the content strategy is given to you by Google. Um, so there's so many opportunities for you to find what people are already searching for to, to develop a content strategy. So if you going back to your question is, what are some of the mistakes? Well, one of the mistakes is not developing a content strategy, not developing content with intent, um, listening to everybody out there that's an influencer and saying, you need to blog, you need to blog every day and write all this. You know, I would say don't blog at all. I mean, if it's the only thing you can you can do and you're going to blog, well, then blog about what's passionate to you and what you're an expert at and make sure you're reaching out to other people to help promote it because no one's going to see it. Um, but always developing some content's better than not developing anything. So I would say blog is worst case scenario. The primary thing to building out your site is building out the practice area pages and the money pages and, and the traffic pages. It's how am I going to drive people to this website? And it's developing that type of content. So to, to reiterate, um, not having a content strategy is one of the biggest mistakes I see law firms make um, or any business. Blogging or, or jumping the gun on writing content without intent, just just writing for the sake of content because someone said you should have to. Um, it's very difficult for it to be found. And if we look at a lot of our attorney sites, very little people are going to the blog. Obviously, we're not writing to it. Um, but if you look at sites that we take over, the blog is, it, no one's really seeing the blog posts. I would rather you do frequently asked questions or shoot 100 frequently asked question videos and have them transcribed and post them as opposed to just going and blogging. I think blogging should be the final thing you do once you've built good authority to the site, you're an influencer, you wrote a book, now start writing. Start using the pages in your book as, as part of your blog. That makes perfect sense. Um, I really appreciate that. Uh, so I think that for me kind of leads to the next question. Um, what do you, what is writing with intent? Cause you mentioned search intent and intent in general. So uh, they're the, obviously two different things, right? So writing with intent is, is actually creating a theme for your writing and intentionally writing for something. So for what we do, our expertise is law firms. So we have an intentional approach to writing for law firms at this point for, after doing it so long and going through so many algorithm changes, we have an intent focus to create content that we know the Google, first of all, right? We need Google to see it. And then secondly, the user. How are we appeasing the user, right? Google's job is to answer the query that their searcher is looking for. And our job is to make sure we're answering that question better than anybody else's. And you can go even further. I mean, I mean no one's going to see that unless it's coded correctly unless there's right links right so it's not just writing the content developing a great page you need people like jason hennessy and his team to make sure it's it it be, can become part of the knowledge graph like what kind of schema are we adding to that so someone finds it and it comes up on the zero position and then the second intent sorry the google intent is you know the research is is when you're typing into a search in in google um 
and Google's intentionally giving you other searches that you might look for based on the query that you're typing. So it, it's kind of automatically thinking for you. But it's because there's so many millions and millions of people searching daily that Google's recording this information to make it easier on the searcher. Yeah, isn't that fascinating? It's pretty amazing, right? So I remember last year at the Google Marketing Live how um, the whole notion that we are entering the area of predictability, where the next search query that users are going to be uh, completing in Google is going to be no search query at all. It's all going to be behavior-based, right? Mm -hmm. So Google's algorithm are starting to understand based on actions that you're completing, whether uh, based on what you're buying, where are you going, like physically going to, and so Google will understand your user pattern and it's going to make suggestions all the time uh, that Google feels that are relevant to you because of the way that you behave, the way that you act, the way that you interact with brands. And so let's suppose you've just booked plane tickets to go to Hawaii. Well, before you actually start searching for hotels, Google's going to start uh, uh, sending you offers and putting ads of hotels right, right in front of you. And that's going to be applicable for everything, right? If you just search for a particular kind of attorney or something, well, potentially uh, ads from uh, medical services or so, uh, depending on what uh, kind of attorney where you're searching for, potentially will start showing up for you. So there is a lot of opportunity here. And so I think uh, the whole idea of intent is so important because at the end of the day, that's, uh, that's how you can make yourself relevant to Google. But Alex, what I wanted to really follow up uh, on what you were saying now, and so you, you say that you need to create a theme for your writing style right for your law firm and can you tell us a little bit about you know how do you select a writing style how do you create a theme uh and what are the elements that make it up so the theme for a lawyer site is basically attracting and, and converting visitors i mean that that's the theme that's your end goal right uh some attorneys want to weigh in and say well I, you know i want to speak a certain way i have a certain language and that's fine where they can portray it themselves through their blog, but we have a formula, right? Our, our formula is very technical where we're high volume. We know what works. Um, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll get the attorney's feedback, but they have to understand that we're writing these pages because we know the searcher's looking for them and we know Google likes them. Um, and it's all in volume, but it's, it's all in a primary, secondary, and tertiary form of content. So it's, it, earlier you said, you know, this is kind of an art, well, it's a very sophisticated design of art. You know, there's a formula to it. So it's not like, you know, well, I'm going to go out and just do what I feel, right? Because feelings eventually hurt you. So it, when you're technical and you're specific and you have a process, it's very, it's a lot harder for you to fail um, and easier for you to stay consistent. So when you have a plan, there's a specific way to follow it. And when I go, um, the theme should be always follow what the main practice area is. So we work mostly with personal injury lawyers. So the theme of your website is personal injury. So Google wants to view that site as a personal injury site. I wouldn't put any non-personal injury stuff there. But think of it as a spider web, right? There's so many things associated to personal injury that you can write about. Um, but it all starts with personal injury attorney in Houston or personal injury attorney, right? So we know this is a personal injury site. The next step is where are you a personal injury attorney? What market, right? 
So now we're localizing it and it's a lot easier to build authority to it because we're localizing this content and we're localizing this website with a theme. Um, some attorneys are like, I'm, I want to be an aggressive personal injury attorney. I want to know that I'm the guy that's going to go and kick ass with against the insurance companies because I used to work with the insurance company and I know how to do that. So you, you get a little aggressive with your talent, right? They, they're, they're allowing a little more liberty in, in how to act, right? Um, others, they want to have more of a, a motherly um, nurturing approach where it's like, we're here to help you. We're like your family. We're your friends. So it's different, right? There's, there's just... A couple different themes it's you got to decide what it is and and when we start off with a client we'll do like five or ten pages after we interview them and say okay this is you know this is what we came up with feel free to make notes and, and tell us what you think and you know after five ten pages where you usually get it um but we also have to reel them back in right yeah they're they're attorneys and they want to write for attorneys um and that's one of the other mistakes they make don't write for other attorneys unless you're a business attorney going after other attorneys that you want to uh represent you're writing for the people and usually the people that you're going after don't have more than a ninth grade level uh school level so you you want to write to that and yeah, you want to write to go ahead it should be approachable for everyone right correct yeah right and and you want to write to convert you want to give them enough information where it's intriguing enough for them to pick up the phone and call and like wow i like this law firm i know what they're saying this meets with everything that happened to me. I was in an accident. The insurance company called me. I got their information. I got this. Um, you know, this. these are my injuries. Let me pick up the phone and call. And that's another reason why, and not to get off ta topic, but why you see attorney sites not having a low balance rate. Um, usually they have a high balance rate because it's a high conversion website. It's You're there to do minimal research and pick up the phone and call or fill out a contact form. I, I totally agree with you on, on that, Alex. And honestly, that's really what, as a law firm, you're looking for, right? You want to create a website for people who already have certain level of intent to get there and, and buy, you know, uh, and it also comes to talk about, you know, what's over the quality of, of client that you, that you want to have as a law firm. Do you want to have someone who's been coming to your website 12 times before actually deciding that, yes, they may be seeking for uh, help? There's too much hesitation there, right? So the more you can help the user to actually convert and make up their mind and uh, married to the idea of, uh, yes, uh, I need representation and I want this to be the law firm that represents me, the more effective you're going to be overall as a law firm. So I do think what, what basically what I'm trying to say here is that if you're actually getting to the conversion state fast enough, is actually a good thing, right? Uh, I think we are in a, in a marketing era where we're hearing a lot from different industries that, you know, the user journey it's long and it's extensive and there's a lot of research and uh, people think, think, think and entertain different ideas and they want to get to know the brand. And um, it, it's true and it's very applicable for a lot of industries, right? We see ourselves doing it all the time. But um, I think when it comes down to legal help, many times, I, I mean, there's of course going to be exemptions. Not everyone decides that they want to get divorced on a day, right? And not everyone decides that they want to adopt someone on a on a day or they don't decide that they want to build a trust on a day. But particularly when we're talking about the injury world, right, or the criminal world, uh, 
you know you need the help, right? And so you're just going to find them whatever is the most compelling for you, whether it's been an organic search result or it's a paid search result, that's it. You convert right there and then. Um, and like whether that's going to happen or not, it's a lot relying on your ability to convey your message and your user experience in a good enough way for it to lead to that path. And so um, I think I think you're 100 percent right, Liel. And it's exactly what Alex was saying about, you know, the the intent, right? You're writing for the user and and he has a formula, right? So he's telling them, telling the lawyers, this is how you need to write to make them understand because they're coming to you at a point when they're in pain, something happened, something's wrong, and they want to be able to make a decision based on generally emotion, right? I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, Alex. That's I know when I'm hurt and if I'm in a car accident, I'm probably going to look at the first three lawyers and because of what he wrote about a car accident or I saw a video or I just like his face. I know that sounds odd, but I like his face and what he wrote underneath, you know, in some content or something about the specific area that I happen to be in. You know, I'm, I physically live in Florida and in Miami. So if I see, you know, Miami car accident lawyer and I click on his uh, content and I see that this gentleman has been doing it forever. And, you know, based on his tone, like Alex is saying that he's, he's been after these insurance companies and that's what he does. I'll click on it based on Alex's content for him. Yeah. And, and I like what attorneys have done um, with their advertising. And I think the first ones that I saw doing this back in the day, it was Steingris go green. Um, they're they they're showing how much money they they got for somebody right so when you're hurt and you're in an accident not only are you emotional but you're pissed like you you're, you're you want to get back and you know obviously money seems like it's gonna be able to fix everything you know pay for my injuries pay for everything this was your fault um and i want to get some money out of it and you know that i i thought that was brilliant that that they used that in their marketing you know a lot of people are probably thinking oh man ambulance chasers this and that but it's a business um so using that type of content within the billboards, um, I think showing your winnings on the website, you know, help give you that extra edge that says, hey, yeah, we fought the insurance companies and we were able to get this um, and, and showing examples without saying any names. Yeah, the case absolutely. studies are great. Um, yeah, I think now it's a strategy that's been widely adopted by yeah. many, many law firms like we see all the time. Uh, settlements and uh it's very powerful you're absolutely right now um alex i want to go back to something that you were saying uh as you were explaining the whole uh idea of creating a theme in your writing and such you say write to convert and can you explain elaborate a little bit more as to how do you write for to convert what's how what's the process of doing that and how do you know that you're actually uh creating a piece of content where you're actually guiding the user to something, to a call to action. So the user looks at the website from left to right and down. So we break up the content, um, their strategies, bullet points, the call to actions, every other paragraph um, with, you know, if this is you, pick up the phone and call. And then, you know, subheadings. Um, so you have your H1 tags, your H2s, but they all look like subheadings that are in bold that are pushing the person down to the page or to the right of the page to um, either fill out the form or pick up the phone and call. Um, so it's, you know, th there, there's a tip, different type of writing that's called sales copywriting. That's not what we do at all. That's a, 
amazing skill. Um, it, it could be short form, it could be long form, but what we're doing is is a more uh, educational, nurturing kind of conversion. Um, you know, it's planetary, it's, it's information. So when someone's doing a search, we're informing them, educating them, but also guiding them to pick up the phone or, or complete a contact form. Um, you know, if they get far enough, uh, what a lot of my attorneys used to do when, uh, um, when we first started and, and, you know, it's kind of fallen on the wayside a little bit, but push them down to an ebook. Um, so if it's a, it's more of a, a, um, query where I'm looking for information and I'm still in, in the, in the funnel stages where I'm just, you know, kind of looking to get more info and, and, um, I'm still doing my research, then pushing them down that, that way is an opportunity to, uh, you know, either download an infographic or, or download something so you get their information and you can follow up through, uh, email marketing or a phone call. But it's always the the goal is to get them somewhere, right? Either give them the information they need, pick up the phone, fill out a form, or nurture them long term. I have a question for both of you, Grace, because um, you know you come from a law firm that does a lot of math stories as well, and I really want to pick your brains on the ebook uh, technique. When is it effective? When you should just you know people aren't people don't want to read an ebook; they just want someone to answer their questions on the phone fast, efficiently, and get right on it. So in which cases the ebook strategy works and in which cases you can just skip? Like does someone who's just got arrested is are they interested in reading an ebook? No. Somebody who's who's been injured by uh, a pharmaceutical product or something, will they read it? Who who is the, the right market for, for ebook? So Alex is actually our content person for Jack Domino <laughs> and Lake. <laughs> um, but I can speak very briefly to that. Um, I found, and Alex can correct me and or add to this. Um, I found that for B2B, you know, like as he mentioned before about writing, you know, unless you're writing attorney to attorney where you do primarily referral services, that's when I found that ebook has been very valuable because you can discuss co-counseling and some other things like that. But just as you said, if I was just in a car accident, I'm going to call my attorney or an attorney. I don't think I need, I'm going to go download an ebook. Um, I may download something about divorce, maybe uh, insurance information, but no, I mean, personally, I don't think as a consumer, I would go and download some ebook when I just was in a car accident or if I was just arrested in some criminal charges, which of course not guys, but, <laughs> uh, so Alex, I don't know. What do you, what do you want? Yeah, to I agree. About? I think there's certain practice areas that, that call for it, where you would get more downloads. Um, the social security and veterans one, we had a social security and a veterans. There's a lot of information for someone to, to download there. That was a great ebook. They, I think they got over 30,000 downloads. Um, the ebook on our site was really downloaded by digital agencies more so than people wanting to fix their website. Um, personal injury ebooks, they, they would get downloaded, um, but it was more like uh, how a uh, like uninsured motorist information. Um, so if people wanted to educate themselves now, um, but what we've gotten so great with websites now that you can just kind of do a long form page that's kind of like an ebook. So, you know, put 4,000, 5,000 words on one long form page would give you the same amount of information um, and still help convert. 
um, family law again, like divorce stuff, that, that would be great. Um, anything about taxes or bankruptcy would be good. Ebooks, you know, and, and now's the time to start developing that. You know, I know the bankruptcy is going to be huge. If I was a bankruptcy attorney right now, I'd be developing as much content as I possibly can. Like, you know, put Tiger King on pause and and start developing some some content. Alex, um, that's really uh, great advice there. Yes, you're right. I think uh, bankruptcy is one of those areas that potentially going to emerge strong out of this. Um, we're hearing that divorce as well, family law, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, these are kind of like where the predictions are lying, right? When you're listening to conversations from other attorneys who uh, run agencies and stuff. Now, Alex, I, I do want to, you know, I'm, I'm digging here deep on the ebook thing, right? Because I know there's a lot of people right now staying at home and they saying, well, I do have the time now. I want to do something. I want to do some sort of content. Uh, I've been hearing about ebooks. So how long should an ebook be? Like people don't necessarily always uh, even know like what an ebook is. They've never downloaded one, but they know they want to create one. So what what's the 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 average size? Like how much content should be on an ebook? At minimum twenty-five pages. Twenty-five pages. At oh, well, we we do twenty-five pages all the time. You can do like a ten page one if you want, um, if all the information is in there. It just really depends on the topic. Um downloading a hundred page PDF ebook is just overwhelming, right? So if you are going to create an ebook right now, um, make it about something that you're passionate about and make the intent not to convert, but rather to educate and inform and use it as a link building tactic, right? Right now is also a really good opportunity for you to get your link building and, and building content, you know, because while a lot of people are sitting back, it's your opportunity to create and, and, and start growing, right? Because right now is such a slow time for everything. It's no one's really paying attention. So if you're developing content, really going hard with your digital and SEO strategy, it's going to benefit. You're going to come out of the gates, you know, not seeing a, a lot of drop. So if I were to create one right now, it would be for the intent of, of the link building, maybe post it on Amazon and write about something that, you know, maybe do 10 examples. If you're a personal injury attorney, talk about the, your 10 best cases, right? Uh, your $20 million case, your $2 million case, the, the, the brain injury case that you did, right? Something like that. Um, and download that so people have that information. Um, because the other informative information, it's it's a lot easier to put up on a page and, and use that for, for ranking. My last question on ebooks, thanks for that, Alex, is um, what's the structure? What should be the structure on an ebook, for instance, that it's about my 10 best cases or my uh, uh, biggest case that I ever litigated, whatever that is? What, what should be the, the, the high level model that someone who's about to embark into writing this should follow? Um, so I would look at it as a regular book. I would look at it as uh, a title, uh, think of design, uh, think of an index, breaking up the page by chapter. Every case is going to be a different chapter, and you're going to give the technical aspect, and then you're going to give your professional opinion on it. Um, that's how that's what I, how I would follow it. But again, you know, design is is important because you want to catch the user's eye when they're going to be researching and looking at it, and you want the book cover to to be important and pop yep good good points thanks so basically ebook just like any other book more more condensed a little bit more compressed. yeah a lot more condensed yeah. i mean if i'm downloading something right and and the person unless they're doing it from an ipad or their 
their desktop or iPhone, they're not going to want to read 100 pages. So you, you want to keep it keep it short. Great. Thanks, Alex, for that. Now, let's go a little bit back to the website content, right? So many law firms, they have several partners. And if you are going to be writing and if you're going to split the content creation amongst the different partners, how should uh, they go about writing style in terms of tone, in terms of style? Should they make an effort to be consistent and to stick all to the same approach that uh, they've set up at the beginning? Or is there room for each attorney if they're going to want to write quarterly articles or something? Um, can they, Is there room for each one to have their own writing style and locate personality and use that as a way also to show the different uh, characters that are part of this law firm? Yes. So, um, great question. So as far as style, I would make sure visually the formatting is exactly the way it is for every page on the site. Um, keep that consistent. Technical background as well, when you're optimizing and your developers working on it, make sure it's all technically sound the same way and optimized, um, coded if you're doing any schema to it. Um, but as far as getting creative and, and putting your personality into it for sure, because that differentiates you from the other partners in the law firm and allows you to really dig into your practice area and, and your passion for it. Um, but again, you know, if you were going to do it as an attorney, write the content the way you would present it to someone that's sitting across from you. That's right. I always tell people that I'm like, write as if you were speaking to them. I mean, isn't that to me, it's always been like that in school and everything. They always told me, write as if you were speaking to someone and don't try to write, you know, above or or anything like that because you're not writing for the person. You're you're not speaking to the person properly. And Alex, thanks, Grace, because you're this is kind of like we've been promised, right, for the past four years that voice search is gonna come and rock our world and things are gonna be completely different, right? And so Every year it gets pushed out to the next year, but eventually it will happen, right? It will happen. And so um, a, a lot of the whole way to prepare for when voice search really overtakes traditional search is uh, conversational writing, Alex. And so how, how are you guys preparing for it? How do you make sure that you're already creating content that's still going to be relevant when we are uh, more completing more search queries through voice than through our keyboards? We implement a, a pretty significant percentage of our content plans to frequently asked questions, which is all voice search. So when, when someone's asking a, a question through intent and they're doing it through voice, we're doing it as an FAQ. So um, we'll do our research within that same panel. SEM Rush, actually, if you guys don't have it, um, that's a good tip for some attorneys out there that are trying to do this on their own. Um, they recently added and split up the um, main page content and FAQ content on helping you build out a strategy. So if you were to put in a search query into SEMrush, it'll spit out different options of, of Google searches and, and split them up for you of what are the FAQs, which is actually pretty awesome. Um, but FAQs is a great way to satisfy um, voice search. Perfect. And again, you know, doing your research, right? So when you're, you're, when you're doing an FAQ, Type that search in, find out who the first people are, the top three, the top 10 people. What did they write? Who, who's got the knowledge graph on that currently? Um, 
and and you know don't copy it obviously you can't plagiarize but how can you make it better right is am i going to add an image am i going to have um a video attached to it am i going to have all the content a video and get it transcribed right it doesn't matter you can go so long you can add so much more but how much more value can i give to this page is what's going to help get it ranking better now alex you're saying there is something that it's uh, very interesting which is combining media right so you have your text and then you just said should i in include a video there what are what's the best practice there uh like should we try you know we all know that video is a powerful way of creating and sharing content should we try to have uh, as much videos as possible in our practice area pages frequently asked question pages is that kind of like an ideal scenario whenever you can stick a good piece of video there should you do it i would say so i would um it it helps with time on site it helps with links because videos are great for for getting links um and not everybody's a reader right so if i have a video and you're gonna tell me what i could read in in 30 seconds by watching a video then you're helping that user out that doesn't want to read a thousand word page or a two thousand word page um so ideally yes when the plan is made out and you have the budget because it's not cheap right unless you're making your own videos it's it's not cheap you still got to get it edited right you want it to make it look professional and match the rest of the site so you want to make sure it's professionally done not everyone can afford that um, but ideally I would, I would definitely have both on there if I could. So we've been advocating here for the past few weeks, right? Take your phone, shoot up a video, Alex, uh, and you're completely fine disagreeing with us. What do you think about that approach? What do you think about people just taking out their phone, doing some Q and A so they can upload in YouTube, link that link back to their website about their practice area and just, you know, talk a little bit as they would to their clients about that particular page in which uh, uh, they're creating content about. I think it's a great idea. I agree with it. I just don't know that it would go with the aesthetic of a website if it's not a professionally done video for a practice area page. But um, for content development, for your YouTube channel, for your social media, authenticity is everything. Um, if, if you can be real and be human, you know, humanize the, the practice area from a cell phone, just like, you know, anyone with a selfie stick or, you know, we're, we're a social visual environment now. So whatever you can say on that time and, and lead them to a more informational page, then I would highly agree with that. I would say, pick up your phone, shoot all the videos, answer as many questions as you can, but do it with research. Don't just, you know, do it for no reason. You, you can sit at home right now during this, lockdown and get your legal pad out and start writing all these ideas of FAQs and be like, okay, that's step one. Great. You got a ton of ideas. Now type them in the Google and see what the search volume is, right? Now prioritize that. Prioritize that by volume, yeah. by location, by where you're going. And, and now you're building yourself a badass content strategy, um, all from just what you know, right? No one knows more than the attorney. He's seen everyone. He's he's talked to everyone. He's he's you know he's if it's his first time in his law firm, he's worked at another law firm. Um, so there's a, tons of information that they have in their own head that can potentially be. Uh, content that that people are searching for, but you want you don't want to waste your time developing it and posting it and creating it and getting edited um, and optimized if it's got ten people or hundred people searching for it monthly, right? You, let's go for high volume. Yeah. 
Good, great, great take on that. Um, Alex, uh, just uh, with regards to the length of page, right? And we're getting a little bit technical here, but you know, it's not uncommon now, particularly when we are um, going to newspaper articles and uh, major publication sites. At the beginning of each page of each article, now we're being presented with information as how long will that read will take? Uh, some would say this is a 20 minute read or whatever. How long should it take for a user to read a practice, an average practice area page? How long should that page be? And in how much time should a user should be able to go through it? Uh, and again, where it's, I know there's going to be scenarios where things, you know, it may be a longer page or not, but how many words should there be on your average page? It should, so it's not too long, but also not too short. 850 to okay. 1200 words. Excellent. I love these short and concise answers, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of where we stick. And 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 there was a stigma for a while where, oh, you got to write long form content. And I agree, right? You you can give more information with long form, but you can also give a lot of information with short form content. It just makes sure you're relevant in answering the query, right? It's not the reason they started talking about long form content is because in 2011, content became saturated and the it, the quote, content is keen came out and every SEO, every single person all over the world said, I'm going to become a content writer. Mommies at home decided I'm going to become bloggers. And they saturated the internet with what I call um, self-truthful content, right? So it's opinionated content on their own, right? So they, they thought of an idea, they're going to blog about it. Now through the internet, this has become truth but it's really not true there's no fact based so um it was created back then because people were just writing 350 500 words saturating the internet with crap um so google's like not and not even google google didn't even say there's a specific word count they just said you know long form and specific they're very strategic in what they say because they don't want to give an answer and tell every seo in the world say hey a thousand words is the magic number right they so it's it's based on the theme the whatever it is you're writing about um and making sure you're answering the query again going back to google their job is to answer the query the best to, to give the best result they possibly can on that page that you're answering the person's question excellent thank you so much at the beginning of the conversation you've said that uh you guys have a formula methodology to create content right and you can actually tell that by your answers knowing very well without having to overthink so much what's the right size of a, of a practice area page and other bits and pieces of information that you've been sharing have revealed that indeed uh, you guys know very, very well uh, the structure of how things should be done. So that's great. Thank you for uh, giving us a glimpse into that. And Alex, I think uh, we're ready to move on to another very important part of the conversation that we wanted it to have. So I let Grace take over. Well, but real fast before you move on, sorry to interrupt, Grace, I just kind of want to touch something on the on the long form and, and the size of page, the 850 to 1200, it's an average, right? That's like a average personal injury practice area page. But we write 5,000 word mass tort pages. There's so much information you can give on a mass tort page, right? And for a while I was, you know, before we got so busy emailing and trying to teach personal injury attorneys about mass torts that, you know, build out those pages. Let us help you build those pages out because we know they're going to rank. Your site's already ranking. I can put them on locally and 
they're going to rank and will help you find a relationship with someone if you don't want to do that. But those are a good opportunity for, for long form content because there's just so much information um, given. So, you know, 850, just going back to clarify, 850 to 1200 is a good car accident size page. Um, unless you're going nationally and, you know, you're going to get quotes from other attorneys nationally for the car accident page, then then you're going to go long form. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, thank you so much. You're very thorough, very specific. Uh, we wanted it to know kind of high level average practice area page. But obviously, we do understand that uh, you guys will take case by case scenario and adapt right. according to what are those needs. So but since you had actually brought up like pages that have 4,000, 5,000 long uh, words in them, do, would you say that those ones have higher chances to, to gain relevancy because of how extended they are and how much information they carry about a particular topic? Or you think that it has more to do with about uh, whether it's a mastered page for a very particular practice area that has the opportunity to rank because of the topic that it is more so than the, the, the amount of content that it has on the page. Yeah, it comes down to topic, right? So you can only write so much about a car accident page and how we can help you. Um, you can write a 4,000 word page on Zantac and how it affects people um, from ailments to treatment to when the drug came out to the, the companies that, you know, talk it out um, from the generic species of it. There's just so much you can talk about it that um, you want to make sure you're thorough and you're providing all the possible information you have so they don't have to go somewhere else. That makes perfect sense. Um, so... I think this really does kind of bring it all together on the last, not the last point, but basically the penultimate point. How do we leverage these times of social distancing, the stay at home orders and all of it to create awesome content for your website? Uh, I was going to say blog, but you're saying blog is the last resort. So create awesome content for your website right now. Yeah. So if you don't have someone working on your site development and, and, and you need to write content, start breaking down your practice areas and localizing them. What's your what's your main priority market? And then create every single practice area page from personal injury to car accident to uninsured motorist to motorcycle to truck. Just start going primary, secondary, tertiary to create all that content. Alex, before you, you move to the next point, when you say localizing them, can you give us a little bit more of an insight as to what are what's the process of localizing a page? How is you localizing the process of writing? Yeah, so if you're a Houston personal injury attorney, you're going to create a page for every city in Houston. And the theme of your website is Houston personal injury. So you're going to follow that. You're going to look at every single market within a you know, 60 mile radius or whatever your attorney is going to go out and practice and what markets you want, whether you have an office there or not. You're going to write and localize those pages. You're going to dive into the deep cities because Google has become so smart that when you're doing a web search and a mobile search, they know what city you're in. They're, they're not going to look at, uh, you know, it's not going to come up that you're doing a search on Houston. So if you look at the bottom of a web search or on the bottom of your phone, when you search while you're driving or parked um, in a certain area, that city comes up. Google Correct. knows. So yeah. you want to make sure you're optimizing for that specific city. Yeah. So it's not, you're not just going after Houston car accident or Houston, you know, truck accident or truck wreck. You're, you're going after the smaller cities within that market. And Alex, so here's one thing, right? And I think we've all seen it one too many times. So the, the person, the attorney will write a page and then go duplicate that page 
and just change the name of the city. It would be car accident somewhere, like car accident in Pasadena, right? Uh, and then they would go ahead and replicate that same page and say car accident in the woodlands. And it's exactly the same content, just that the, the pages are changing, the URLs being modified to include that page. Uh, is that localizing? No. So that's plagiarizing. We call that internally self-plagiarizing. So you're self-plagiarizing the page you already created. Um, to be able to create in volume. Every every thought has to be unique. And it's not simple, right? That's why I said we, we have a formula on now. Um, you know, we're up to about 80 writers. Um, you have to have different thought processes. And, and it's, it's, again, I go back, it's not easy to change it when you're localizing so specific and getting granular with it. Um, but there are tips you can do, you know, the, the courthouse, a police station, just certain things you can add to a page that differentiate it from one city to the next, the population size, right? Um, you know, Woodlands has a population of 200,000 people. The courthouse is located here. Um, the road on the corner of this street and this street has been known to have 60 accidents per year. Um, so now you're localizing. You're, you're actually getting granular and you're giving information that Google likes. It's not necessarily relevant to the user, but it's there to differentiate that page from a different page. Excellent. Really, really good insights there. Thank you so much, Alex. I think a lot of people, don't, just, they just don't know, right? They just don't necessarily know what does it mean to localize, and they also don't know that plagiarizing from one page to another on your website is a bad practice. So I appreciate you clarifying that for us. Duplicate content, not good. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. No bueno. So Alex, that's a good way for someone to go about uh, writing practice area. That's what you would advise someone who does not uh, have someone to do their content. They can actually start by doing this, do their main practice area, localize it across all the markets where they can actually reach. And what would you say to the attorney that actually had been commissioning all of this time his writing to content writers and now wants to, you know, has always wanted it to do some sort of ebook or piece of content from themselves or some blog, blog articles. What would be a good thing that they could do? And should it, should it be on the website or should it be somewhere else? Well, I would always put it on the website. Think of that as your hub of inventory. Um, and then you would put it on external resources. There's, there's tons of link building opportunities with the ebook resources out there that you could put it on and get a link back. Amazon's a great one. Um, but uh, again, don't just go after a specific practice area. Go after what you did. Um, you know, think of yourself as authorship. And what am I going to author? What am I going to put my name behind of? You know, the the, the self-help books are great for, for, you know, how to get out of a car accident. What do I do after a car accident as a small, you know, pocketbook um, to have in your car and, and something to give away and it's good information. But if you're really going to devote the time, you know, pick, a, pick something about what you've done and how you've helped people because of it. Yeah, I guess in th I think the way you frame it is very good. Like you as a as, as a as the head of a, of a, of an agency that does professional content writing for law firms, which one would be the content that you would tell an attorney like this particular piece of content, my man? I would appreciate if you actually write it because it's going to be way more valuable coming from you than what any of our 80 content writers could do. 
right? Uh, <laughs> I see your That's face. a great question. I, see, I love I that. I see one. your face. I see your face because you're probably <laughs> you're probably thinking I <laughs> we could write better anything, but I think there's a lot of things that you you guys know that you know the insights and the and, and the passion just comes out when attorneys get into that. So, what are some of those topics that you think uh, people should explore and give themselves an opportunity to get into it themselves? Um. I'm going to dive out of personal injury. Um, and I think an attorney does a great job. I think they're great writers a lot of the time. Um, and they're good writing, you know, for themselves or, or for a, a different type of audience. But a, a family law, a divorce book would be a great book for for someone to, to write on. Because, um, you know, they've had so many experiences. And the angle I would take, even though I would not get business, is, you know, how to avoid it, how to mediate it, how to, you know, how to fix it. Um, you know, right? Like, there, there's just so much negative information out there. If I was a family attorney, I would write a book on how to not get divorced, how to, how to have an amicable divorce, how to avoid hurting the kids during a divorce. They've just seen so many things, and they have the opportunity to tell some of these stories without with keeping people anonymous. Um, you know, if we go back to personal injury, you know, my the biggest headache dealing with the, the big giant insurance company, you know, what a pain in the ass they were or something and, and how we got around it and how they're going to come after you hard if you don't have representation. You know, that's something these attorneys are passionate about. Um, and, and, you know, that gives them a good opportunity to really tell their story and, and get creative and be themselves. That's fantastic. Um, you know, I, it, you're a hundred percent right. Like let's think, let's try to think positive. Right. And, and yes, it may or may not get you the, the, the case, but they will come back to you, right? Because they see you as someone that is trying to keep them from doing something that is potentially, you know, will affect their entire lives. So right. that's amazing, you know, good time for a divorce book, but on a positive note, that's great. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, what, again, just brainstorming other ideas, you know, what, if you're a family attorney, you know, make sure you're having those relationships with therapists. You know, somebody comes to your office and says, here's the situation. Here's what I'm thinking. I'm like, hey, here's here's some referrals to some therapists. Here's this book I wrote on this, you know, think it over, speak with your family. And then, you know, if this is the final decision you want to make, I'm here for you. And, you know, follow up with an email marketing campaign. Um, you know, personal injury is not not is a lot more instant. So you don't have those opportunities. You know, people want action now. So it's, you've got to develop the kind of content that is giving them the answers and the information they want right away. Um, you know, but that's just kind of my thought. It's a very good thought. So <laughs> thanks. Um, I think that, uh, Liel, you tell me if I'm wrong, but I think this kind of brings us to yeah. very close to the end here in terms of like, what we need for our, our listeners, right? So what Liel and I like to do is we'll ask you um, to give three actionable tips that they can take away today um, and that they can implement. So what are three tips from you on content marketing um, from Alex Valencia of We Do Web Content that our listeners can implement? Um, so the first, I was listening to a, a uh, podcast the other day and uh, uh, TD Jake said, you have to read to lead. So make sure you're reading, you, you pick up something that you're reading and, and you're passionate, especially right now. I'm sure, you know, everyone's still working, but they're, they're not at a hundred percent. Yesterday I visited an attorney 
because I was dropping off a gift. And he's like, dude, I'm going crazy. He goes, I'm, I'm going to go to the liquor store and get some stuff and, and make some um, margaritas because, you know, typically he's so used to being under the gun on top of absolutely everything, like being so busy, he can't even give you five seconds to go over your reporting and he's nuts. And now he's just bored. He doesn't have a lot of time. So, you know, I was telling him things he can do, but, um, you know, even you're, you're not going to be as busy as you were and you're looking for solutions. Um, look for it. The books are out there. The information, the information's there. Second thing I would do right now is if I'm going to do any kind of content, video content's the easiest. Everyone is on social media right now. If you're an attorney and you've been holding back on social media, um, I'd say this is your opportunity to jump in, be authentic, be yourself, roll your sleeves or roll your, your sleeves up, put on a t-shirt, be authentic, be yourself. Michael Morris did something the other day and it was an ad video. It looked like, um, you know, just him talking to his mother and it was the most brilliant. It's, it's not video. It's so good. It was, it was so good. Like I was so impressed. I'm like, damn, this was awesome. Right. Like, that wasn't and, just good. That wasn't just good attorney advertising. That was just good marketing period. No, it was all advertising. It was great marketing. It was, and, and I love talking about it because it, the funny part, right? The first part is, hey, you know, here's just a guy talking to his mom, making sure she's okay. And she's like, oh, how's business? This and that. And then the dude gets up and he's halfway suit, halfway checkered pajamas. And it's like, we are all living this. Like, that's me. I just saw myself in you. And this dude's, I mean, he's obviously the biggest marketer in Michigan, right? The guy knows marketing. Yeah. And and that's what's so crazy and awesome about our business because a lot of our clients, they're either two person law firms or, or just one law firm. And the person is just passionate about marketing. One of them is either passionate about marketing, the other one about the law, or you know, they, they just have both. And what's so cool about this is you're working with people that that have the same ideas and sometimes even better ideas. They just don't even know that they they just need them nourished and, and and pulled out of them. But what he did, and I don't know who his team is or if he's you know thought that on his own, it, it was brilliant. And like you said, Leah, like like I second that. It's it wasn't good legal marketing, it was overall all great marketing. I've had the opportunity to interact with Michael quite a bit, and it mostly comes from him from his own yeah. mind. He has a fantastic team. Don't get me wrong. I mean, a brilliant team of people all around him, surrounding him constantly. But most of these ideas are his and on his own. He really is a very interesting marketer. Like, like you said, I mean, just spot on, right? Right. <laughs> um, yeah, his approach, his approach was really good. I was on a webinar the other day and he was so transparent and honest too about where the law firm is, but he was also so optimistic about where it's going to go, right? Like he keep measuring what week one was, what the drop was, but they're still handling cases. So if you're an attorney, my third, um, and I probably have more than three, is concentrate on the clients that you currently have. Because when you were super busy and kicking ass and, and you know, you probably weren't giving 100% service to everyone. Now you have time to call them. You have your attorneys call them. Make sure they're, 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 all their documents are there. They've gone to visit the doctor if they can, right, at this point. Um, just give them that high-level service that they deserve. Right now is your time to keep the clients because you're not going to be getting all the leads you were getting. So it's a lot easier to, what is it? A, a penny saved is more than a penny earned is easier than a penny earned, something like that. Um, so, you know, concentrate on keeping the current clients you have, giving them the best value and then going after that referral. Um, 
So that would be a, a third thing for them to do. And that's not really about content. So first one about content is video content. Create as much video content you can. Create a social media strategy around it. Um, FAQs, go nuts on FAQs for your website. Start creating 30 seconds to a minute and a half frequently asked questions um, for your YouTube channel and for your website. Excellent. All great takeaways. And I think, you know, whether they're content related or not, Alex, it's really about uh, making the most out of the time right now and giving us plenty about content itself. But we also appreciate a lot all of your insights as to, you know, what you've seen law firms do concentrate on and what is your own take. Because at the end of the day, you're a business owner as well. You're leading a team. You have clients. And so we want to definitely take your advice as to uh, how are you approaching this. And so we appreciate you sharing these things with us. Alex, thank you so much for everything you've shared for all the time for the insights it's always a pleasure talking to you whether it's on a uh, podcast or whether it's uh, at a trade show or anywhere else so uh, thank you again so much for making yourself available to share so much with us likewise thank you so much i was honored to be invited appreciate you guys and have thank a great you. day hopefully we'll be able to do a podcast soon and in, in the office. yeah yeah for sure that'd be <laughs> awesome so stay safe stay healthy same. you too same thing thank Bye, you Hey, Grace. So what a great conversation with Alex. Uh, it's always fun talking to him and so much uh, valuable information. I think, you know, not just from the content writing standpoint, but in general for content for your law firm and just as a leader, right? Uh, things that he is uh, hearing from his clients and recommending to others. But as always, we want to bring it to our uh, own takeaways so that people who have been listening to this podcast consistently can go ahead and create themselves a game plan for their content writing strategy. So let's focus on that. What do you think? Yep, let's do it. (laughs) Okay, great. So why don't you share with us your first takeaway. Okay. So starting with number one, I feel like the great content about content that Alex gave us is right to convert, right? Include subheadings, bullets, easy to read. This is not sales copy guys. It's more educational. So, right. He said you read from top, uh, top down, left to right. So break it up accordingly, right? Using header tags, this, that, the other, that's a little more technical, but that's okay. Just write to convert so that your eyes easily run through the page. You understand where it breaks it up. There are bullets for the ease of use of the reading. Um, so right to convert. That's yeah. Yeah. I think like he put a lot of emphasis on the actual structure of the page and how things need to look like. So that's also going to be a very, very important element yes. for, for your user experience standpoint. But from the writing thing, I mean, I think he made it very clear, right? Uh, writing with a purpose, making sure that uh, you're letting know your readers, your users, how can they be helped and what is it that uh, could happen next. And absolutely, that's uh, that's something that you should keep in mind when creating particularly your practice area pages. Right. And with intent, right? Right to convert and with intent, just like Liel just said. Yeah. All right. So what would be our second takeaway, Grace? So you just mentioned practice area pages. So I feel like that that's the natural number two takeaway here. Flesh out your practice area pages, guys. You have the time right now. So flesh them out, 
localize them. And if you can't get to every single one of them, at least do your main practice area pages. So if you do social security, if you do personal injury, whatever it is you do, take them and localize them. And that doesn't mean duplicate content. Okay. That's super, super important. Do not plagiarize your own content. Do not plagiarize any other content anywhere else. Make it different enough. And he gave us a couple of tips on that. He said, you know, the population, the courthouse, the the corners with accidents that are more likely to happen, things of that nature, okay? So flesh out your practice area pages, localize them, and if you can't get to them, all of them, at least the mains, main one or main ones. Yeah, actually very, very uh, valuable tip there. Use uh, points of interest and statistics about that particular region in order to be able to enrich your text. And again, um, it's it's about what Google likes to see on a page, the kind of information that they value. So research that. And one thing that we've heard from Jason and we're hearing also from uh, Alex here is research who's already ranking. Look what is on their pages, right? It's not for, it's not about copying what they're doing uh, literally, but you want to try to uh, decipher that formula that they're using so you can actually leverage it as well, right? As 100%. Jason as uh, Jason called it, reverse engineering uh, yeah. Google's algorithm. So um, 100% applicable also for the content part of it. So that's really, really cool. And, and just like you said, it's not plagiarizing. It's not doing any of that. It's competitive insights. And actually, Facebook does that. It has a, a spot on the bottom of the page in the back where it tells you, competitors that post similar types of posts to your posts on Facebook. So it's the same idea. If you're writing for your practice area pages, you're going to type in the same types of things that you might be looking for, car accident lawyer, Houston, and the specific city, right? So that's why you're writing. You're writing for Google in this case, but it's because Google likes to see these different types of localized content that you can serve. That's great. Great. Um, Yep. Great insights. What would be the third and last takeaway? So the final one, and I think it's super important that you guys take the time to do this because you can actually post these on Google My Business as well, and that's FAQs. So as Alex said, anything you do, you should put on your website because it is your content hub, right? Um, But FAQs can be served and service other different places, right? They can be posted on Google My Business. Of course, again, not the exact same ones, But what people are looking for when they go to your business on Google My Business, put your FAQs there. And the first thing you do need to do is all of these things are based on a content strategy, okay? So it's all well and good to have these ideas. Ideas are great, but don't start writing until you do the proper research, brainstorm it, and actually check that Google is looking for these responses or people are looking for these responses when they go to Google. Back to intent, right? And then the most important thing is if you can take these FAQs and record them in video and get them transcribed, something that Liel and I have said over and over again, include video and content and get it transcribed. I mean, that's part of our podcast even, right? We get them transcribed and all of that. And we don't even have necessarily video content, but we have transcriptions and text content on the pages. And that's the same for the FAQs. Write them out, brainstorm them, record them in video and add transcription. 
to the pages. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, as simple as that, Grace. You can, if you feel way more comfortable talking about things rather than, than writing them down, plan out what are your frequently asked questions. You know them. You're sitting in front of clients every day or at least your team is. So you can collect very easily that information. That's the most important part of it, understanding what are your frequently asked questions. And you can also research Google what's being posted already in your competitors' pages. So there's a lot of ways to strategize as to which those questions those need to be. But most importantly is your own insights. Now, just sit in front of a camera, okay, and record yourself giving answers to them and then transcribe that. That will give you the text. Get that edited so it's good enough for it to go to Google My Business, for it to go to your website, and then add the video to it. So you can get and knock out all these three major tasks by just sitting in front of phone or a camera, recording yourself and talking naturally, natural speech. As we've said, you've mentioned it uh, during the, the conversation with Alex. Alex mentioned it as well. That's probably going to be the best kind of content that you can create for your website right now. So, Grace, thanks again for this wonderful conversation. And we're looking forward to another great conversation next week. Thank you, Leo. Appreciate your time. If you like our show, make sure you subscribe, tell your co-workers, leave us a review, and send us your questions at ask at incamerapodcast.com. We'll see you next week. Thank you.